0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, Paul Gray here. Thanks so much for being with me for this edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. The last few episodes I've been talking with you about living as sons and daughters of God Praying as sons and daughters of God, thinking as sons and daughters of God, reading scripture as sons and daughters of God. And I'm going to continue on the reading scripture thing, but it's going to go a little deeper than that today because there's a much, much, much bigger picture here. As I've been thinking and praying and meditating and listening and preparing for this message, I felt like it's the most important message I've ever had to share with you all. And so I thought, well, you know, that's pretty audacious of me. And so I just asked Papa. I called the father Papa. I said, am I thinking correctly? And I heard him say, I think with a twinkle in his eye, Paul, if you don't think every message that you share is the most important yet, then the message you're preparing is not from me. Well, we do learn every day when we have eyes to see and ears to hear. We do learn every day that God is even better than we thought the day before. So each message should be more important than the last one. Now, up front, I'm going to tell you, I have a title for this message. I'm going to give it to you in a little bit. It's a hook. It's an acrostic. It's something that serves me well, and I believe it will you also. So to set the stage for this, I want to tell you a little bit about something that happened Uh, 101 years ago today, I grew up, Now, this didn't happen to me personally, but I grew up in a farming community down in the Ozarks in Missouri, spent a lot of time on my grandparents farm. They didn't get uh, electricity till I was six or seven years old, didn't get plumbing till I was in college. I spent time with my aunts and uncles on their farms. I had a lot of friends that lived on farms. We were a farming community. My dad, who was born in 1910 was one of eight kids, seven boys and a girl. They lived on a farm until after he was married. Didn't have electricity or running water on those farms. And when he was growing up, his dad would train, as, as most fathers did, that they would train their children in the way that they should go. When they grew up, and they would help them and they would teach them life lessons in their farming activities. Girls would usually help with gardening and uh, would help take care of the chickens, feed the chickens, gather eggs. Boys would help with the other aspects of the farming. And my grandfather, he, who died before I could ever meet him, he died, I think, in 1939, my grandfather would take each one of the boys, in that case, seven of them, and whenever about 11 years old, they would give them a milk cow. And that would be their milk cow when they were 11 years old. And it was their job to milk it and to feed it and to take care of it and all of those things. Well, my dad was 11 years old in 1921, 101 years ago, when he and his twin brother each got their cows. This is a milk stool that's been in my family for over 100 years. This is the milk stool that they used to sit on to milk cows. I don't know why I've kept it all these years, maybe just for this message. Well, their mom and dad, my grandparents, taught them life lessons with those chores, like with the cows. They taught them responsibility. I mean, the cows had to be milked twice a day every day or things went bad. Dependability, family sharing the load, business, math, capitalism, a whole lot more. I remember my other grandfather lived on a farm that I spent time on, would teach us lessons. He only had an eighth grade education, but he could do math in his mind. And he would teach us about you know how many bushels to the acre they would get and all different kinds of things like that, and how many seeds to plant and different things, and, and just taught us life lessons. Well, with my dad, with 10 people in the family, they consumed a lot of milk, butter and cream. They produced their own produced by those cows, which were milked by hand. And what was left over, they sold to a dairy. And I remember that happening when I was a kid, because the dairy was just about a block from where I lived. The truck would go to the farmers three times a week. They'd have these big silver looking metal cans that they would take and they would pick up the farmer's milk in that and they'd leave them empty ones to pick up the next time. Well, with my dad's family, 50% of the money they got from selling the milk went to the family fund, and the remaining 50% was divided up amongst the boys who were old enough to have their own cow. Same thing with the eggs for the girls. Then when they went to town, my dad said usually twice a year, the boys would get to use their own money, first for overalls and shirts and shoes and a coat for winter, and what was left could go for candy or you know, whatever else they wanted. Now, my dad was a twin. He was the positive, the optimistic one. His brother was the negative, pessimistic one. And for a while, both 11-year-olds were doing pretty well with their cow. Then winter came, and it was cold, and the barn was the equivalent of a couple of blocks north of the house, and they had to walk against the wind to go to milk. So in the winter, when it was cold, snowing sometimes and sleeting and stuff, walking against the wind of that barn could be really hard. Well, my dad's twin brother complained. He said the cold wind made it too hard and he didn't like the work and he didn't want to do it anymore. My dad, however, the entrepreneur, the positive one, focused on the results of the milk and the money and the finances and focused on the fact that the way back from milking, the wind was at their back and it was easy. So my dad went to my grandfather, his dad, and he said, hey, I'm doing good with my cow. I want mo cows. I'm able to take care of more than one. I want mo cows, Mo cows. Not Moscow, but MOCOWS, M-O-C-O-W-S. My dad and his six brothers did milk cows. All of that's true except for the MOCOWS thing. I just made that up for that fictitious story to get the acrostic to stick in your mind that I've been using. MOCOWS, M-O-C-O-W-S, and that's what I'm titling this, MOCOWS. All right, it stands for... Mind of Christ, M-O-C, One with Spirit, O-W-S, M-O-C-O-W-S, Mind of Christ, One with Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, who I call grace, has been impressing on me over and over again in this recent period of time in my life that now is the time for us to take all these things that God's been showing us, all the things I've been learning, and see how they fit together together under and in the truth the spiritual truth the mystical revelation of the truth that you and I actually do have the very mind of Christ we have the very mind of Christ and we are actually one with the holy spirit one with the spirit of god both the greek and the hebrew words for spirit also mean wind and that, that little Fictitious part of the story that I told you, when you go against the wind, it creates a drag and it's hard to do. And if it's cold, it's even worse. But when you go with the wind, it's a breeze. The wind empowers you. When you go against the Spirit or the wind, it's hard. It's like you're working against God and it's not pleasant. But when you're going with the wind and you're going with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Then things go much easier, and you literally experience Christ living as you. So it's time for us, the Holy Spirit's been impressing on me, to start to really live by the Spirit, Christ living as us, empowered by the Spirit, put that into practice, have it be our default way of life, our practical application to every minute of every day to realize we have the mind of Christ, We're one with Christ. And that not being just head knowledge, not just memorizing some scripture about that, and not just being able to answer a test on it for Sunday school. No, to realize the truth that we do have the mind of Christ and we are one with the Spirit. Now, we have our natural mind too. And our natural mind has a but. Our mind has a but. Our mind has a million reasons why we can't really believe that we have the mind of Christ and we can trust it and we're one with the Spirit? Yeah, but uh, no, but yeah, what? No, but 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 no. our mind fights that because our mind wants to be in control. It likes to be in control. Let me ask you this question, very important question: What do you think your life would be like twenty-four-seven if you listened to, trusted, and accessed the mind of Christ? and actually lived like the son or daughter of God that you are, one with the Spirit. Let me say that again. What do you think your life would be like, really be like, if 24-7 you listened to and trusted and accessed the mind of Christ and lived like you really are, the son or daughter of God that you are, one with the Spirit? What would your life be like? I'm not able to do that 24-7 yet, but I tell you when I do, Man, it's so much better. This is so important, not just for me, but for all of us. God is ready to partner. He's ready for us to partner with Papa, Jesus, and Grace 24-7 as we live and move and have our being in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.13, the Apostle Paul says this, It is these things that we talk about, not using the expressions of the human intellect, but those which the Holy Spirit teaches us, Explaining things to those who are spiritual. Now, understand when scripture uses the term flesh or ego or whatever the translation is, or the old man or the natural self or whatever, it's always referring to our mind, which wants to be in control. Now, our mind's not evil, but until we become awake to the spirit in us and begin to listen and take sides with the spirit, who I call grace. Our own small s spirit is in the dark. It doesn't yet have spiritual awareness. And it makes decisions based on what's happened in the past and what it can see with our five senses and what it hears on the news and things like that. I've come to see that when a person truly becomes aware that they are a son or daughter of God, they will start to manifest as a son or daughter. The Apostle Paul was the poster child for this. You know, he was lived in the dark absolutely in the dark, in the religious dark. He had totally dark ideas of God and Jesus and himself. And then the light, (laughs) Jesus, shined inside of him. The light was so bright it knocked him off his horse or donkey or whatever he was riding. It actually blinded him. So then he changed. And he started, over time, spending time with Christ, he started manifesting as a son or God. Here's what he wrote in Romans 8, 19. I'm going to give you three different versions. The first one's the passion. Paul said the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters, those who are Moscow's, those who have the mind of Christ and are one with the spirit. We all do. But those who know it and who are living like that. King James says the earnest expectation of all creation eagerly awaits for the manifestation or the revealing of the sons of God, Moscow's. The mirror says it this way, our lives now represent the one event every creature anticipates with held breath, standing on tiptoe, as it were, to witness the unveiling of the sons of God. Can you hear the drum roll? Manifest means it's an event or an action or an object that clearly shows or embodies something, especially a theory or an abstract idea. Well, i got to tell you, having the mind of Christ and being one with the Holy Spirit certainly is an abstract idea. It's a mystery. We can't understand it until the Holy Spirit reveals to us what it means. Now, Religion tells us, I know this because that's what I was taught or what I taught for a long time, that manifesting as a son or daughter of God means being squeaky clean morally, never acting out, not having a bad thought, never sinning, no bad actions, anything like that, keeping all the rules perfectly, going to church all the time, the doors are open, tithing, fasting, giving, all of those kinds of things. That's not at all what manifesting as a son of God is. Not at all. Manifesting as a son of God means realizing and living out of the mind of Christ, which we have, and knowing and living as we are one with the Spirit. Look at what Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, we still have flesh. We still have the mind. We still have the ego. But we can live dead to our old mindset and alive to the mind of Christ. Look at how the mirror translates that. It's wonderful. Galatians 2.20. Francois translates it this way. So here I am dead and alive at the same time. I'm dead to the old me I was trying to be and alive to the real me, which is Christ in me, co-crucified, now co-alive. What a glorious entanglement. Those of you who have some knowledge of quantum spirituality, quantum physics, you know the entanglement, you know that we are entangled. We are one with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and everybody else. Science knows that now. Paul goes on to say, I was in Christ in his death, and now I discover that he is infused in me in my life. For the first time, I'm free to be me in my skin, immersed in his faith in our joint sonship. He loves me and believes in me. He is God's gift to me. Now, he says, we are fully released from any further association with the life directed by the rule of law. We are dead to that which once held us captive. We're free to be slaves to the newness of spirit spontaneity rather than age-old religious rituals imitating the mere face value of the written code. The moment one exchanges spontaneity with rules, the edge of romance is compromised. Now, what I just read to you is impossible to understand with our human mind. That's where Mo Cows comes in. Mind of Christ one with the spirit. The practical application here is anytime you or I feel ill at ease about something, just don't feel right about something, we, we have a check in our spirit or we know we know we're about to do something that's not right, we can stop and we can say, Holy Spirit, is that you telling me to wait here? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to say and do? You know, Jesus said, I can't do anything by myself. I only do what the Father says to do and and say what he tells me to say. That's his example for us. We can live like that. I know that. I can do that. I want to do that all the time, and I'm I'm getting better at that. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the Amplified, Paul says this, The natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome, or admit into his heart the gifts and teaching and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, they're meaningless, nonsense to it, and he's incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. The mirror says it this way, First Corinthians two fourteen to 16 the soulish person has no capacity to comprehend the language of the Spirit of God. The soul is our mind, will, and emotions. The soulless person has no capacity to comprehend the language of the Spirit of God. Spiritual things seem meaningless to them. They are incapable to discern that which can only be spiritually appreciated. A performance-based mindset, which comes from religion, cannot access what grace communicates. A performance-based mindset is living in the dark. He goes on to say, it would be as impossible as trying to get airborne with a motor car. Law can't compete with grace. Those who are spiritually awakened are immediately compatible to discern all things from a spiritual or grace perspective, while they themselves are free from anyone's critical scrutiny. There is no other basis to teach from but to echo the mind of Christ. He is the mastermind personified within us. Now, unfortunately, some other versions of 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the man without the Holy Spirit. That's a bold-faced lie, a bad translation. Everyone has the Holy Spirit. Some people aren't aware yet. Everyone listens to some extent to God, prompting them or motivating them to love, to be good, to do nice things. They just don't know that it's the Holy Spirit they're living to. Christ is the mastermind. Christ lives in us, and we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12, 2, Paul writes this, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Passion says it this way, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, a beautiful life, a different kind of life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now look at the wording carefully of those two verses. This is not us renewing our mind by our own effort. I was taught over and over again, it's my responsibility to renew my mind. I'm supposed to take my mind and use my mind to renew my mind. That's sort of like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean, it sort of sounds like a good thing, but when you think about that, if you grab a hold of your boots or the straps on your boots and try to pull yourself up off the ground, it's impossible. You cannot renew your own mind. These scriptures make that clear. The renewing of your mind, inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who renews our mind. What does that actually mean? It means we don't listen to our human mind, but we listen to the mind of Christ, and then we take sides with that. Instead of listening to our own thinking, which is hard to do because that's where we think that's who we think we are. That's what we've always had going on in our mind. But we also have the mind of Christ and we can stop our own thinking and listen to the mind of Christ. One way to do that is just to be aware. Talked about that last time. We can just stop and say, I'm going to be aware and just empty our mind and be aware. Our mind still say, Holy spirit, Tell me what you want to say to me and listen. And how can we know that we're hearing from the Holy Spirit? It will always lead us deeper and deeper into love, joy, peace, grace, kindness, goodness, gentleness. It will always give us Holy Spirit power. There will never be any worry, never be any fear, never be any doubt. Here's what Paul wrote to the church in Galatians 6.14. He said, may my only boast be found in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. In him, I've been crucified to this natural realm, listening to our own mind, and the natural realm is dead to me and no longer dominates my life. The natural realm is where our mind is. Our mind wants to be in control. It likes its power, and it's continually battling against our spirit. Now, I'm going to talk more about that next time. The mind is a great servant. And a terrible boss, the ego, the mind, the flesh, the false self actually wants to be in charge so much that it tries to steal and kill and destroy the truth and the joy and life and grace and love and peace that you have in your spirit mind of Christ. And in the process, it wants to get you to fear and doubt and not trust and be self-centered and all the while telling you it has its best interest at heart. The only power our natural mind has is what we give it. And we don't have to give it any power. The Holy Spirit's power, which lives in us and is one with us, is all-powerful and only uses that power for good, self-giving, unconditional, all-forgiving, self-sacrificing, agape love for all people. Spirit power is unstoppable. It's not to be used to control or judge people, rather to love and to influence them to love. Hey, I hope this has been helpful to you all. It's really helpful to me. When I use this little acrostic, Mo Cals, Mind of Christ, One with Spirit. And I just stop my own thinking, my own mind, which can go a million miles a minute in all different kinds of directions and can cause me to worry and be afraid and all that kind of stuff. I just stop that. I become aware that I have the mind of Christ, that I'm one with the Spirit. I listen to the mind of Christ. Spirit of Christ in me, and then, as Jesus said, do what the Spirit says and say what the Spirit says. And when I do, the natural realm no longer dominates my life, and I live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in Christ's eyes. It's a better way to live. Hey, thank you all for listening. Let me know how these messages affect you hit the like button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to make some comments. I would appreciate that. I like to know who's listening and how it's affecting you. And that also, of course, drives up the algorithm of people when they're looking for things online. And if you haven't yet subscribed uh, either to the podcast or the YouTube channel, please do that. And then you'll get notifications of when things are going to come up. Thanks you all. I love you all. I look forward to seeing you all next time. Thank you for listening to grace to all.